hello everyone and welcome to the inside line today we are going to be uh well today with me um is daniel sabuda and jake robinson i am craig evans and we're going to be starting our new line of podcast called karting 101 it's going to tell you about the basics and everything you need to know about karting also give us a message tell us how you're feeling today and if there's anything we missed in this podcast please just let us know I'm going to go over to Daniel now, and he's going to tell you about some types of transport. Before we start talking about transport, I'd just like to tell everybody to uh, stay home and keep safe, uh, just to end all of this really quickly, and just so you don't get hurt, or just so you can enjoy uh, some more karting. And moving on to transport, we have one of the most seen and one of the most common forms of transport in karting, which is a van. You can normally pick these uh, for around about £5,000 to around £6,000 for a very, very good brand new van. And they have loads and loads of space, so you can transport all of your kit. Uh, in the back, and also all of your lovely tools. Another very, very, very good uh, piece of transport, piece of kit, is a truck, which, of course, is going to be a bit expensive. It's quite on the high budget uh, for people who have a bit more cash to splash. And this form of transport is normally used in huge uh, motorsport UK events and also across Europe in European events. And they normally range from around £10,000, if you get a very good quality one, up to around £200,000 or £500,000 for uh, semi-trucks and long-hauling trucks. And if you're looking for a bit more of the low-spec, low budget i think my friend jake will have a tiny bit more insight over that jake over to you hello viewers i just want to tell you about a box trailer it's a really good idea if you don't have like a van or can't afford it you can always just buy yourself a box trailer it's like just something that goes in the back of your car you can just fit a car in everything in when you get to the track open it all up and bam you are set also, if you can't afford a box trailer, because I know they can be quite expensive, there's also a roof rack, which you can like tie your car in and then put all your bits and bobs into the boot of the car. So that's it from me for the low-budget um, transportation. On to Craig Evans for the highest budget of transportation. Hello, and um, I'm going to be talking to you about your RVs, your motorhomes, and really your caravans. So, um, quite a, you'll see quite a lot in European karting, a lot of lorries uh, used as transport for the teams. This is because they can be very, it's quite good financially uh, for a team to have a big lorry than many cheap vans. Another thing that you might get if you want to sleep at the track is a motorhome or an RV. In this, in most, you can 
attach either a trailer or there's a compartment at the back where you can store your cart stuff and then you can also sleep in it. A caravan is also good for those who have vans and um, can tow behind them so they can again sleep at the track. I'm going to go back to Daniel for our next topic. Thank you very much there Craig. Um, Now I'm going to speak about the actual machinery that you're going to be driving around around from ranging from 50 kilometers an hour to 130 kilometers an hour or even 160 kilometers an hour you're still going to be going quite fast in these things because they are proper racing go-karts if you're thinking about buying your own go-kart the first thing that you're going to look at is what type of chassis and what type of engine you're going to be looking for and engines that run in the uk um specifically are x30 and rotax which are very popular in the mini junior and senior categories which are which you can buy engines off of off of ebay or you can buy them brand new from uh, engine suppliers and engine tuners like super tune time racing engines and jade engines uh, moving on to some of the less popular categories is KZ UK, which consists of KZ1 and 2, which is a senior shifter class with up to six gears, which can go up to around 135 kilometers an hour. And moving on to the cadet classes, which are a bit less powerful, they still pump up around 16 horsepower. Uh, and the Honda class is very popular, Honda Cadet and Honda Pro Kart. Honda Cadets run on a small 950 or 900 chassis, which uh, can hold a cadet driver ranging from ages from 7 or 8 up to 13. And if you're thinking, maybe not going with Honda, maybe it's a bit too expensive, then IAMI is also another very good class as you don't need to spend a lot of money to get a good engine. If you're trying to get a small child or maybe even yourself into motorsport and you're a tiny bit too young, maybe you're under the age of seven, you might want to go for a Coma engine which can be fitted onto a Bambino chassis which can range from £800 to around £2,000. And at the very, very uh, back, or at the very uh, end of this segment on engines, there is a TKM engine, which can give up to 23 horsepower, which allows you to go around 100 kilometres an hour, which really isn't that bad. And... TKM have a very close relationship with some chassis that I'm going to say now. Now, if you're thinking of buying a very well thought out chassis, probably one of the biggest groups in karting is the OTK group and the Birrell group, who supply a majority of the grid in 2020 in British Camps, 
and also in other uh, motorsport classes. ODK consists of a range of chassis, all the exact same, but just painted differently and branded differently. This season, they have a range of green Tony carts, blue, light blue, EOS carts. They also have some purple cosmic carts. And they also have a brand new red speed cart, which is manufactured and sold across the USA. Moving on to the barrel group, you have Burrell Art, which actually supplies chassis to Charles Leclerc cart. And you have Daniel Ricardo cart, which is a nice light crisp blue, like an electronic blue. And you have a yellow comp cart, which a lot of people use in junior uh, categories. Next up, you have multiple X30 champions across Europe. And also in the UK, you have MS. Talco has a very, very close relationship with TKM. And you have Synergy and Project One, which supply uh, chassis to both the Honda Cadet category and IAMI, uh, IAMI uh, Cadet. I think that's all from me for this uh, segment. Add, uh, I'm going to move over to Craig. I think I'm just going to add some chassis in there that you might have missed, Daniel. Uh, also, with the X30, Rotax, uh, and Rotax, and TKM, you have the Croc chassis. And you also have the Fullerton chassis, just that I'd put that out there. So I'm going to be talking about tyres. So in, uh, I'm going to work from youngest class up to the highest class. So we're going to start with Coma Bambino. In Coma Bambino, uh, they run Leconte tyres, which are an all-weather tyre. Um, so they can be used in wet and dry weather. Um, in uh, Iami Bambino, they have Dunlops, and um, they are you have slick tires and wet tires for the Iami Bambino. In going into Honda Cadet now, they uh, well Honda and Iami Cadet they use Dunlop tires as well. They're a hard, t- harder compound of tyre, uh, which obviously means less grip but a longer lifetime of tyre use. Now we're going to go up to Mini X, well, we're going to go to the X30 classes. So X30 use a Comet tyre, which is a nice soft tyre, gives a lot of grip, but it does wear quite easily. Going on to Rotax, they use a Mojo tyre. And the Mojo tyre is soft, but isn't as soft as the Comet, but does give... to throw something in there for uh, Rotax. Yes, uh, go ahead, Daniel. In some club races across the UK, uh, naming uh, Lids, sometimes Bayford Meadows, and most of the time at Clay Pigeon, you'll be expected to be using a Maxi's tyre, which is harder than Mojo's, uh, which means longer lifetime, but it's also very, very uh, slidey 
and less grip under cold conditions. Just like to throw that in there. I, sorry, I forgot about that, Daniel, but thank you for saying that. So, carrying on, talking about Maxis, TKMs use Maxis. Uh, they are a harder tyre, as Daniel said, and give a much longer lifetime. So lap times will be reduced slightly, but it is obviously a little bit more economical. Going on to KZ now. Now, KZ use a Vega tyre. Now, Vegas are... I've driven on Vegas and they are one of the softest tyres I've ever driven on. They're very good, lots and lots of grip available, but do wear down quite quickly. So from an economical standpoint, they are not the best tyres to go on. But if you're just going to use one set for one race, then it would be good as long as it's legal. I'm going to now pass it over to Jake, who's going to talk to you about hire carts. The mic's yours, Jake. What is up, everybody? I just want to tell you a little bit about hire carts. So, first of all, I just want to say pretty much every track, apart from let's just uh, Clay Pigeon or Fullback, they don't do hire carts, but pretty much every other track do hire carts, which is a good place. If maybe you're just an enthusiast guy and just like it as a hobby to do, like on the Sunday evening, it's just a fun way of just really having fun to be honest um uh, or you've also got like club 100 which is a corporate racing so it's like you turn up and have your own car uh hire carts which are quick two-stroke engines rotax can reach about 55 mile an hour on a good track so yeah quite a lot of options if you want to go to corporate or higher carton. Now I'm going to take you on to Daniel Sabula on about signing on to a race. Thank you very much, Jake, for passing the mic back. Uh, if you've got the carting buzz and you really want to take it to the next step, Maybe you're thinking about doing a, a race meeting, whether that be an MSA race meeting or an IKR, which is an independent car race meeting. And you may be thinking, hmm, well, the signing on seems pretty easy. Well, why is this a step? Because if you have not uh, raced yet, then this is going to be pretty difficult. And there are some key steps that you'll need to take in order to go into your first race meeting. First of all, uh, if you don't have an MSA UK license or whatever license you run on in your country or continent, you will have to get a uh, license. And at least in the UK, you have to buy or you have to get a start karting pack and you have to arrange a test to do at your local kart club and well next what you have to do is you have to pass the test which you're gonna have to study for and you're gonna have to watch the video and once you feel like you've got the karting bug and well i feel like i'm really ready at this then you will possibly 
get your license and you will be able to do your race meeting. And it's a bit inappropriate to put the equipment right at the end. But moving on to the equipment, I'm not sure if anybody has anything to say about signing on. But uh, if you have done a couple of higher cart meetings and you really want to take it to the next step, just like signing on, you're going to have to get fitted with all of the kit. You're going to have all of the gear and all of the idea. So what you're going to be, you're going to, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get some boots, which have to be above the ankle, at least in NSA approved race meetings. And you have to uh, have special boots that are flame resistant and that are tested to be flame resistant. You cannot have trainers and you have to have proper racing boots. Another very, very important part where you can show off your style is a helmet. Sure, it may look like a piece of jewellery that you can just customise, just like a bit like a car, where you can put like spoilers on it and it looks really cool, but it's not just a fancy ring. It does so much more than that. Every single FIA-approved helmet has a 170-gram projectile thrown or catapulted at it at over 175 kilometres an hour onto the polycarbonate uh, visor for the protection of you and also for the projectile because the projectile won't be feeling so good after hitting your polycarbonate helmet. And... Another very, very important bit is to make sure that you have the right specification of helmet. Because some helmets aren't exactly usable in some races. Just like if you put a boat, a motorcycle helmet, if you gave a motorcycle helmet to an F1 driver, they wouldn't be able to drive in it because it wouldn't have the right specification of, um, of approval. And... I'm just going to quickly give it over to Craig, who will tell you a tiny bit more about what goes into um, protection of drivers and other people's safety. Okay, I'm going to talk to you guys about suits. So a kart suit is very, very different to a car racing suit. Because in car races you are the most likely accident you're likely to need protection from is a fire accident so all car suits must be fire retardant um but cart suits in a cart you're more likely to encounter a crash where you're thrown out of the cart than a fire so cart suits are designed to not rip or tear uh, when being dragged across a rough surface. Another thing that you need your cart suit to do is it needs to fit you well. If it is too baggy or too tight, well, you won't be able to move properly and it will just be very uncomfortable. 
Um, another thing I'd just like to add on to the helmet is if you are involved in a crash and your helmet is damaged, you cannot use that helmet um, if the if the scrutineers have said that helmet cannot be used, you cannot use that helmet anymore, anywhere. You must get a new one. Going on to gloves. Gloves are the same as um, suits, really. They need to stop. They need to be resistant to abrasion and shouldn't tear if you are thrown out of the cart. Um, I'm going to give it back to Daniel to talk to you some more about neck devices. Daniel? So, if we're talking about driver's, driver's safety, in a lot of accidents, especially in a recent accident in Formula One, there's a very key part of keeping drivers safe, which is the hands and neck support device, or most commonly known as HANDS. And this HANDS device can also be found in karting, but not with straps fitted to the helmet, but straps going around the waist or uh, going around the chest. And you can have foam ones or you can get ones with special abrasion foam and also polycarbonate uh, outer. So everything is nice, tight, snug and very safe. Uh, a very well-known hands and neck support device in karting is called, uh, like, the company is called EBT. Uh, other companies such as Sparco and OMP make more industrial foam ones. But if you really want to take a safety seriously, then an EBT is perfect. It's streamlined and it's very light as well. I'm going to pass it on to Jake Robinson. Do you have anything to say about that? Uh, well, moving on from clothing, we've got cart trolleys. If you have a cart, they're just a must-have, really, because you can't really mechanic or clean your cart on the floor. So... It would be a huge inconvenience. Yes, exactly. Also, rib protectors as well. They're really good because pulling your 2Gs around some corners, going about 60 mile an hour, you need... A rib protector. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd just hurt your ribs. <laughs> okay, so moving on to one of the final bits of uh, information in this lovely podcast is a cart setup manual. Let's call it cart setup for new for new people newbies um if you don't really know much about cart setup then this portion is for you and i think that this is one of one of the most important when it comes to cart uh carts and driving them and if you're talking about the chassis that i named earlier let's say i'm going to take a random one otk the otk group have a very, very, very large amount of uh, chassis and chassis bits that you can put onto the chassis or onto the cart to make it go faster. And 
a very simple way of making your cart go faster through the corners or in the wet. If it's wet, then you're going to need to have some ground clearance for your cart because you're going to be lifting up the cart to try and get the least amount of it on the ground. And so therefore, you're going to have to try and raise up the cart which means you have to raise the front uh, stub axles, therefore the wheel. So to do that, you have to unscrew the stub axles. You have to take the pin uh, out or almost out, and you have to move the spacers on top of the stub axle and then put the pin down again, and then you're going to have a higher front end. Other chassis improvements also include toe-in, out which helps with turning more toe out means that you'll have a more responsive front end but you will have a slight bit more of, uh, front wear and also the rear chassis uh, you can tighten the third bearing which means that you'll have a lot you'll have drastically more rear grip but you won't be able to jack up in those wet conditions Another very important part of going fast is having a good engine setup. And I'm sure one of my friends here will know a tiny bit more about that. Uh, Craig, could you pass that on? Uh, okay, I'm going to be talking about engine setups. So with your engine, uh, I will also be talking about sprocket setups as well. So with your engine, you need to, if you are, say, bogging out of a corner so the cart isn't accelerating as fast as you would like coming out of a corner then um what you need to do is um you need to turn the low uh, jet on your carburetor you need to tighten that up and make it richer or another thing that you could do is increase the size of your rear sprocket. Now, in the dry, on most carts, you should be running a 10-tooth front sprocket on most cart tracks. In the wet, you should run an 11-tooth front sprocket. Going back to carburetor settings, another thing that you might want to do is, say you are your engine is topping out so the revs are at the highest they will go um, halfway down a straight and you want it to be topping out later on what you need to do is adjust your high jet on your carb and you need to loosen that to make it leaner uh, no you need to tighten it to make it leaner so Richer is loosening and leaner is tightening. The way it works is by leaning off the mix, the fuel mixture in the engine, less fuel is getting into the engine and more air. With, more, with a richer carb setting, more fuel is getting in and less air. Another thing that you might... Uh, that might be going wrong is if you have if your engine isn't revving as high as you would like and you've adjusted the carb and it isn't doing anything is to check your spark plug 
if your spark plug has got an oily sheen to the ground to the electrode it will uh, be causing a either no spark or a weak spark which will cause your engine to not rev as high so what you would need to do is either get a wire brush and clean your spark plug or just swap it out for a new one now i'm going to go on to seat positions your seat should be positioned so that your driver is comfortable in the cart. You can also move the pedals and the steering wheel so that the driver is comfortable in the cart. One thing that you need to make sure is that at full throttle and uh, complete brake, your driver's legs should not be straight, they should have a slight bend. Same with the arms. When you turn your steering wheel, so that the when you turn your steering wheel ninety degrees, your um arms should only just be going straight at max turning angle. I'm going to pass it on to Daniel now to just say anything else. so much craig uh, for explaining to the audience how uh, you can seat the driver uh just making just making sure that your driver or you or whoever you're doing this for uh if you're doing it for somebody else just make sure that your driver is very very secure and tight in the seat not too tight so that they're uncomfortable but also not too loose, so when they're going to be going through those fast corners, they're not going to be flying in the air. And uh, I think that wraps it all up for today. Um, do, does anybody have anything to add on to the podcast? Um, no, not really, but just remember to, if you're listening to this on Spotify, give us, well, uh, on whatever platform you're listening to this on, give us a follow. And um, if you want to just message us, tell us how we did, anything we can improve on, our Instagram is The Inside Line. Um, I think that's really it. Uh, so it's goodbye from me, and I'm sure it's goodbye from Daniel. It's a goodbye from me as well. Make sure that you all stay safe at home. And remember, always wash your hands. Yes. So thank you for tuning in, and just remember, give us a follow. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.